Welcome to the next episode of the Woodward Financial Advisors podcast, the yet-to-be fully titled Woodward Financial Advisors podcast. I am Ben Birkin, Certified Financial Planner at Woodward Financial Advisors, joined by Victor Colella at Woodward Financial Advisors. This is our second official podcast after our episode zero. Um, Victor, how are you doing as I, we speak? It's mid-morning. You know, I'm, I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day. The birds are chirping. I think we started another episode that way, but it's true today. Uh, it's starting to feel like a new season and, you know, with a new season, a new podcast. Yeah. I wish I could tell you that the birds are chirping here. I'm assuming they are. I'm recording from a different location than I was before. I'm actually in and enclosed inside of a closet. And to get the microphone at just the right level, I had to drag a cat scratching post into the closet <laughs> to make sure it was right at mouth level. I mean, this is just another example of human ingenuity and creativity in times of uncertainty. Uh, we find a way. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, right? we certainly have found a way with everything except for you guys may be missing the cheesy uh, intro music that we typically, well, that we started with last time. But we caught so much flack in the company for that horrible music that we we made the decision that you know maybe in the absence of good music no music at all is is the better solution yeah we uh we failed well we <laughs> failed with good intentions but i i believe we're going to put the music on the back burner until we can identify a, a a mutually agreed upon alternative that everybody likes that at a bare minimum, wasn't what was in episode one. I think we can all agree that that was that that's not going to be the winner. That's just not going to be no, the winner. No, but you know what I think so, is a winner, Ben, is our topic for today. I agree. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna kick off an interesting series. What we think is an interesting series, a timely series of a few shorter podcasts in a row, where each episode is going to be focused on a different aspect of what we might do or what we do actually when the market is down or volatile. Or both. Before we get into the details, especially because this has some investment-related components to it, our disclaimer, we're going to be talking about investment-related things. We may mention some investment products that clients of Woodward Financial Advisors may or may not own. Important to remind everybody who's listening, this is not intended to be investment or financial planning advice. This is supposed to be educational and informational. So please don't take anything that we say as a suggestion to either go out and buy these securities that we talk about or a recommendation. Again, this is really supposed to be informational only. I, Fair enough. I'm going to assume that covers us and we'll we'll roll the dice from there. But I'm pretty sure folks have got the grasp now that we're not saying go out and do exactly what we say with the things that we're going to mention that we might be using for example purposes only. Yeah. Does that seem fair? It does. And as, as usual, every, every person's different, which is why we have to say that. Um, That's right. Every person's different. So if you have specific questions, talk to your advisor. If your advisor is us, talk to us. If you have tax-related things, talk to your tax preparer. Uh, all that blanket disclaimer stuff. Yeah. So, so uh, we've got a four-part series, right? Four parts. Yeah. And I, I was actually, I'm going to jump in, give us some additional details. So four-part series about what to do or what we do when the market is down uh, for our clients. But this could apply to you as well, uh, depending upon where you are in life as you're sitting and listening to this. But uh, as we speak right now, the market is sort of, it's still down from where it was. It's, it's April 29th of 2020. So we saw the markets 
hit there, but maybe the bottom. We we have no crystal ball, but what as of today looks like it was a bottom, sort of in mid March. Ben, do you remember the the date that the stocks in the United States actually hit the bottom? I want to say it was like March 27th, but I don't know that for sure. It might have been March 27th, 28th, but it was towards the end of the month. Yeah, so so towards the end of end of March and you've seen somewhat of a rebound since and it could still go lower, we have no idea, but we consider this correction time. So today is the first of four parts to the series. The first one today we're going to talk about rebalancing, which is one of our favorite uh topics to to talk about in these types of times where there's increased volatility and maybe a, the market is getting beaten getting beaten up but then our, our our next episode will be about tax loss harvesting the third episode will be about roth conversions so specifically doing roth conversions in a down market and last but not least we want to sort of wrap it up with a discussion about maybe a down market is a good time to reapproach your financial plan and give some more strategic context around the first three episodes which are a little bit more tactical in nature so sounds good i'm all in i'm ready yeah well let's Hit let's me. dive in so ben you you do a great job at defining and sort of giving some strategic context around rebalancing do you want to sort of give a basic definition and then we could talk about maybe why it makes sense to do it in a down market. Absolutely. So when we talk about portfolio rebalancing, what we're referring to is that any well-constructed investment plan should begin with a big picture of asset allocation, which we'll define here as how much of your investment portfolio is in different types of things. The easiest way to think about that from the 30,000-foot view is how much of my portfolio do I want in stocks? How much do I want in bonds? How much do I want in cash, right? And personal preference may vary. Personal mileage may vary. What you get out of that may vary. It really doesn't matter. The idea is that you have some pre-established target that fits with your long-term plan, that fits with your need for return and balance against your willingness to accept or take volatility, right? Yeah. So, so let's can just you assume- sleep at, Can you sleep at night? Exactly. So again, doesn't matter which one for this particular conversation, but that's where we start with. So let's just assume somebody says, I'm comfortable with a portfolio that's 50% stocks, 50% bonds. And that's what they establish and say going forward. Over time, your relative amounts of those two asset classes are going to shift. Some of that might be due to money that you continue to contribute. Some of it might be when you need to take money out of your portfolio, but a lot of it will have to do with just markets drifting and changing over time. Most of the time, stocks go up on an annual basis, right? Three-fourths of the time, out of every four years, three of those years, you see stocks go up, and that fourth year, maybe that doesn't happen. But over time, eventually, you're going to drift away from your original position of 50-50, and then you've got a choice to make. Do I just leave it alone? Do I uh, bring it back to 50-50? And it's the concept of bringing it back to 50-50 that's what constitutes rebalancing. Most people think about rebalancing and trace it back to the initial stuff that folks are taught when they're first learning about investing of selling something that's high and buying something that's low. Well, effectively, that's what rebalancing is. Let's say your 50-50 portfolio drifted in such a way that it's now 60% stocks and 40% bonds. You've now got a different volatility profile of that portfolio than what you originally signed up for. So if you were truly adhering to rebalancing, you'd sell some stocks, 
buy some bonds and bring your portfolio down back to the 50-50 level. Yeah. And, right? That's Yeah, and I I don't want to add that by by nature this sort of goes against what investors are particularly good at, which is when investments are doing really well, they want to buy more of them, and when they're really doing poorly, they want to sell them. When in reality what rebalancing forces is sort of the discipline of Back when I had a level head and created my plan, I decided that 50-50 was the right mix for me, maybe with the help of an advisor or using their plenty of online tools, however you got there. You had a level head when you came up with that. Stocks and bonds, the markets are emotional. And I think by nature, it forces discipline into what can be an undisciplined, a sort of emotionally driven uh, thing for people, which is investing. Uh, That's right. So it, it it forces rules on people, right? It takes emotions out, forces rules on people. There's a bunch of different thought out there about how to rebalance, right? How often do you look? Are you just doing it exactly back to your targets on specific days or calendar? Or, we're going to ignore all that, right? Because intelligent people can disagree. But the concept... Um, sometimes doesn't quite get the full nuanced description that at least the way that I think about it, which is that most of the time, if you're seeing drift in your portfolio over long periods of time, it's stocks going up. So most of the time, rebalancing probably isn't so much a return enhancer, at least if we're thinking about it at the big picture, stocks versus bonds, right? If you have different types of stocks that have different return profiles, then maybe rebalancing can be a little bit of a juice of a return. And you do see that, right? If you have things that U.S. stocks and international stocks, for example, don't always move at the same way and at the same time. And so rebalancing within those asset classes can sometimes lead to return enhancements. But most of the time, what you're doing is resetting your volatility control, right? You started with 50-50, you moved to 60% 40 stocks. That's not what you signed up for. So you sell stocks, buy bonds. That's probably not going to juice your returns all that much because you're selling the asset class that has higher expected returns to buy the one that doesn't. But every once in a while, you get this opportunity for rebalancing to definitely turn into a return enhancement. And that's what we're talking about when markets are down. We saw this this last uh, couple of months in February, March, and April. We saw it not that long ago, actually, and maybe not to the same degree and the same severity. But the end of 2018, broad U.S. stock markets dropped by about 20% over the last three months. Yeah. You go back to 2007, 2008, the broad U.S. stock market dropped by about 50%, all of a sudden stocks went on sale. However you define that, they definitely were worth less than at the beginning of whatever measurement period you had. And it's in those times, like either what we did experience or might still be in the middle of, that rebalancing can help on the return side and not just on the volatility side. Yeah. So so that's where I think, I love list of three. I think that's where our, so I think there are three main drivers as to why we'll sometimes when markets are beat up like they have been enter COVID-19. Um, and, and those three reasons we've touched on, but I think we want to dive in and, and sort of mention them explicitly. The first one is uh, it's a good way to something. Sometimes when markets are down, you feel like you should be doing something. It's a good way to do something in a disciplined way and take some of the emotion out of it. So I think that's the first point. Uh, the second one is it can actually help you enhance your returns, like Ben said. So you're actually buying low and selling high, uh, in, in essence, relatively speaking, in your asset classes. We'll talk about that. 
And then finally, keeping your risk appropriate to your tolerance and relative to your financial plan. So all three that we've mentioned and touched on, but um, I think in down markets, those three are particularly true. So I guess maybe we start with the first one. So discipline, not emotion. So the mechanics of this will illustrate with an example after we get through the three, but um, when the markets are down, so from, I'll start with just sort of the basics. If you look at just the S&P 500, from the top to the bottom towards the end of March, those, the U.S. stocks were down roughly 35%. If you're looking at, we looked at a specific um, ETF called, uh, it's, it's a iShares S&P 500 ETF. So we looked at this, it was down roughly 35%. So if you had a portfolio that was, let's say it's 80, I'll use the same example all the way through. So 80% stocks, 20% bonds, the bonds will measure using the Barclays aggregate. Uh, That 80-20 portfolio at the bottom, so stocks were beat up by 35% and the Barclays aggregate, so a measure of all the entire bond market was down by about 12%. Um, You may have felt the need to do something. And this gave you something to do that would have been systematic and rebalance you to what you had had sort of thought of in cooler times. Um, and I think that's a big benefit of rebalancing is that you, you're not selling to cash. Um, maybe you're putting more cash into the market, uh, which you can sort of work into this process, but uh, you're doing something that gets you back to your strategic baseline, not something that takes you way out of balance, such as selling out of the scary stuff and holding more cash at the time, which can be damaging. Does that make sense, Ben? Absolutely. So the next one is buying low and selling high. Um, So you may think everything's down. How am I buying low and selling high when I'm rebalancing? And it's really, it's relative. So when the markets go down like they have, bonds went down less than stocks. So 12% for bonds versus 35% for stocks. So when you're ultimately rebalancing, you're selling your bonds and using it to buy stocks. So you're selling the higher asset class and buying the lower asset class. And what that ultimately does is you're buying stocks when they're on sale, to use your words, Ben. And this can actually have a real, real impact in how quickly you recover. And uh, there's a dollar amount that we can associate with this. Uh, in the example that I gave you before, if you if you rebalanced at the bottom, so let's say March twenty seventh, twenty eighth, whichever day that it is, from back to eighty twenty, so you would have actually drifted to about seventy five percent stocks and twenty five percent bonds, so more conservative than you had initially set out. Let's say you got lucky and on the the day that the market was at its bottom, you rebalanced that seventy five twenty five back to eighty twenty. If you fast forward to yesterday, so the 28th of April, your account balances would actually be, if you had one portfolio identically, so a million dollar portfolio and the other portfolio, one of them you rebalanced in, the other one you didn't do anything. There's actually about a $7,400 roughly difference in those account values. So the account that you rebalanced, you're $7,000 ahead of where you were in the other one. So Ben, does that did that example make sense? I want to make sure I'm not throwing too many numbers out. 
Absolutely. And we can put the table that might put some more detail into this into the to the show notes. And of course, we're excluding anything related to taxes or anything like that. But conceptually, yeah, you've got more money now into the asset class that just experienced higher returns. So the rebalanced portfolio should have more money in it compared to the one where you didn't rebalance. Again, that's kind of the example of every once in a while, rebalancing is a return enhancement strategy, which is what we're talking about when we think about rebalancing in down markets. Yeah. And and I think it's worth saying that defining down markets is hard. So when, when is, when does, if you're in your mind, you're looking for a trigger. So when markets go down by this much, um, then it's a trigger to do some rebalancing. That's a really hard one to answer. Um, yeah, again, there's a lot of academic stuff out there about the right timing, the right parameters. I don't want to get too deep into that. So, you know, again, just big picture. Stuff goes on sale. Expected returns are higher than before they went on sale. Yeah, and I think we, we all have an intuitive feel for when when things are uh, down, right? It, it was pretty... I hesitate to tell you to ever look at the news headlines, but it becomes apparent. And then finally, I think this is the sleep at night factor that Ben mentioned earlier. When you drift to, so in this example that I gave you, you drifted from an 80-20 portfolio to a 75-25. That may not seem like that big a deal. But if you had an 80-20 because you were counting on a certain amount of long-term growth potential, um, Drifting to a 75-25 makes you more conservative than you were before. I think this matters a little bit more on the upside, like you mentioned, Ben, whereas now all of a sudden your portfolio is more volatile than it was when you set it out. But I think the same thing goes for, in this case, an 80-20. That's a pretty growth-oriented investor. You don't want to be more conservative than you initially set out to be in the early days. So when markets are down in a big way, that swing can can impact uh, your longer term return. Absolutely. So as we're thinking about this, where we've created this scenario where portfolios are down, and maybe as a, a little teaser to some of the episodes that are coming up, what are some of the other things that might be an opportunity and that we'll explore in the subsequent podcasts in this series? Yeah. So the markets are down. You're looking at your portfolio for rebalancing purposes. You you may also notice some tax loss harvesting opportunities. So in taxable accounts, you've got some lot paper losses, so to speak. Um, and that's going to be our next episode. So I'm not going to go too deep there. But um, maybe you, you realize that your risk tolerance is wrong. Like the market is down 35%. Your portfolio is down a pretty big chunk and you can't sleep at night. It's a good time to maybe reapproach your financial plan. And say, is this the right risk tolerance? And and when markets are down, it's a good way to sort of reset sometimes. Um, and you may even notice that there are some positions that, because of big gains, you haven't been able to get out of and in favor of other investments. Uh, maybe the markets being down is a good opportunity to look at that sort of stuff. And we notice all of that when we're in the in those accounts looking for rebalancing opportunities. So lots Absolutely. of goodies. Yeah. So I think we've set the stage to set the table well for the next couple of episodes in this series. So, um, Victor, thank you, as always, for this quick hitter on rebalancing. And uh, we will talk to everybody next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening.